0: The WBEN All Local. All Local. Produced by Randy Bushover. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world.
1: I'm Susan Rose. I'm
2: Brian Mazarowski. Outside right now, clear skies, 52 degrees in Buffalo.
1: The ending of Title 42 and feared influx of migrants at the southern border has become the latest political flashpoint, even here in Western New York. Here's WBEN's Brayton Wilson.
0: Along with members of the Senate Republican Conference on Monday, State Minority Leader Rob Ort requested a full transparent accounting of taxpayer dollars being spent on the ongoing migrant crisis in New York. Talking about whether to house them in school, gymnasium, or jail, or large parking lots, or any number of college campuses. The truth is we don't know. There's really no plan about how we're going to deal with it today and how we're going to deal with it in the future. On Saturday, Erie County Executive Mark has announced he will not be joining some of his surrounding counties declaring a state of emergency that would block housing for migrants seeking asylum in the region. Chrissy Casilio, Erie County's GOP candidate to run against cars this fall, is demanding answers regarding the mounting situation with the migrant crisis and urging cars to provide clarity on his plan going forward. In
1: his statement on Saturday, not only did Mark cars refuse to follow suit, but he also berated and belittled any resident that sought details regarding his plans. Mark's approach to this crisis is the same as it is to every crisis he has faced. He has no strategy. He has shown no leadership. He takes no action and he bullies and belittles anyone who asks him to be accountable.
0: As for Congressman Nick Langworthy, he says every state with a major city is currently dealing with the migrant crisis and believes it has started or will start to trickle down to surrounding regions and other areas of the state. That is why he is in full support of leaders at the county level in New York declaring states of emergency in an attempt to tackle the crisis head on. I think you have to prepare for emergency. If our small rural schools get called in august and said hey make room for 40 new migrant families to move in that is going to be an emergency for that school district it's going to be an emergency for the social services department of our smaller rural counties that can't handle this erie county's a big county i mean county executive i mean obviously he's made his decision but i definitely respect and support the counties that i represent that almost all have passed the state of emergency because they need to have local ability to
2: make swift and clear decisions brayton wilson wben.com news All right, Brayton, thank you, and we'll have much more on this here from the mayor coming up at the bottom of the hour. Meanwhile, nationally, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis expected to announce this week he's running for the White House yesterday another Republican jumped into the race Senator Tim Scott Jonathan Carl has more on what the South Carolina lawmaker brings to the growing GOP field he talks a lot about his own personal story Tim Scott is somebody that uh, grew up in poverty he talks about how he nearly flunked out of high school uh, his mother you know gave him some tough love he turned his life around with with hard work with a devout Christian faith. And that's basically the message of his campaign is that anybody can make it. All right. So, uh, much more on all of this still to come. Dave Leventhal joins us at 6:50 this morning.
1: A new look at the potential impact of AI-generated images after a fake picture appeared to rattle Wall Street. Yesterday, numerous Twitter accounts shared a fake image showing smoke billowing near a white building, leading some to believe an explosion occurred near the Pentagon when in fact no such incident took place.
0: Experts have warned of hyper-realistic fake images, deceiving people online as the accessibility of AI-powered tools grows. Industry leaders have pointed to AI's ability to solve problems quickly, and the technology has already contributed to medical research. But last week, Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, urged lawmakers to act quickly to regulate artificial
2: intelligence. My worst fears are that we cause significant, we, the field, the technology, the industry, cause significant harm to the world.
1: That's Andrew Dibbert. W- reporting there. All
2: right, those images look very real, can right. uh, easily dupe somebody in a moment's notice. Well, Lots of Americans hitting the road this upcoming weekend for Memorial Day, hoping to not see a huge spike in gas prices. Memorial Day can often mean a jump in gas prices as there's more demand for fuel to drive and fly, but this year that's not being seen yet. The Energy Department shows gas prices have been stable for the past two weeks, regular unleaded, sitting at 3.53 a gallon, and in fact in some places gas prices are still going down like the gulf coast region where the average price of regular unleaded is at 304 a gallon alex stone ebc news must be nice 367 on average here that's about the same as last week although you know i remember we were down in the twos uh, it yeah it was not that long ago um and we've seen a pretty big increase diesel at 485 that is down 15 cents from a month ago
1: nice dry weather has some wondering If we could use some rain, WBEN's Tom Puckett has that and the look ahead for a big gardening week. We are way away from a drought right now.
3: Meteorologist Andy Parker says it's been wetter than you may think. When we look at what happened in January, February, March, April, and the first part of May, each month we've actually had a surplus of moisture, whether it was in the form of snow or a combination of snow and rain. March and April were very wet, as a matter of fact, more than an inch above normal as far as rainfall goes in both March and April. May started off damp and cool, but the trend has been to dry out. National Weather Service meteorologist Philip Pandolfo says the state drought monitor shows western New York's been abnormally dry this May. Topsoil is certainly getting pretty dried out, but um, we haven't seen the more significant impact of the drought. Um, despite the abnormally low rainfall. If you're thinking about planting, Pandolfo says it might get chilly later this week. The first one will be Wednesday night. However, it'll be a little bit on the breezy side, so uh, the frost potential remains pretty low, despite the fact that we'll be seeing some low temperatures in the... Uh Mid to upper 30s. See another pretty chilly night there on Thursday night as well. Um, We're also going to be seeing uh, low temperatures overnight in the 30s. But this time the winds are going to be substantially calmer. Uh, So we might be seeing another risk of frost coming up just this week. Hear more online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News.
2: All right, one of basketball's all time greats seems to be at least considering walking away.
3: Is LeBron James considering stepping away from basketball? After his L.A. Lakers were swept by the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals Monday night, it seemed like LeBron was doing some soul-searching.
1: I got a lot to think about, to be honest. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. And um, Just for me personally, going going forward with the game of basketball, got a lot to think about.
3: At 38, James still has two years left on his contract, with the last year being a player option. Dave Packer, ABC
2: News. He's always known to be dramatic, though you know, right? <laughs> so, for sure. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know.
1: who knows, uh, but happen he was there. Uh,
2: bounced from the playoffs last night. Uh, the Lakers were with the Nuggets, moving on.
1: And now to hockey. Yes, Sam Reinhart scold the games. Lone goal as the Panthers beat the Hurricanes one nothing.
0: Near point, Montour down here on the near side, then down behind the net, Bennett off to the near corner, Kachuk. Kachuk in front, Reinhardt a shot, top shelf he scores! A power play goal! Sam Reinhardt just under the crossbar, and the Panthers strike first! Just past the game's halfway point, it's one nothing. Are
1: you kidding me? Well,
2: there you go. Uh, <laughs> Florida with a 3 nothing commanding lead. In that series, they're up three games to nothing. They've only outscored them by three goals. Two overtime games and yeah. a one nothing win. Uh, they've been close ones for that. I've been doing such a great job of ignoring that this is even happening until I come in here in the morning. Me too. I mean, what's going on? Uh, it's <laughs> not should,
1: happening in my world. We
2: should uh, just be ignoring it here too. Your exclusive
1: WBEN 7
0: weather forecast. Mostly sunny skies today. A shower could pop up inland away from Lake Erie. Temperatures today in the upper 70s. For your Wednesday, clouds will increase with some showers rolling in early in the afternoon on Wednesday with highs in the mid-60s. Sunny and cooler on Thursday with highs near 60. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Kowski.
1: Dave Leventhal, Editor-in-Chief at Raw Story. Joining us this morning, the politics of immigration heating up, Dave, with the end of Title 42. The state is considering all options with the influx of migrants in New York City, Erie County, is the only county in western New York not to issue a state of emergency over this. It, it's a federal and state issue, Dave, that ultimately looks like it could be landing in the lap of local communities. What is the federal government doing about this?
3: Yeah, and and it's a trickle-down situation that, of course, uh, nobody is happy with. And the localities in this situation are feeling oftentimes the the brunt of uh, influxes that that may be taking place. So we've seen this uh, all over the country, of course. uh, If you are on the southern border in Texas or Arizona, New Mexico, California, um, border communities have been grappling with these issues for years, even decades. Uh, But increasingly, and you mentioned New York City, and there are plenty of others around the country, too, that uh, are are simply overwhelmed and uh, do not have the resources and the abilities Uh, to deliver the services that are needed uh, for anyone who's coming uh, in in a mass fashion to their city uh, and in great need of medical uh, and housing and and even psychological attention.
2: You know, we'll be talking about this a little bit later on, uh, the asylum process with uh, Jericho Road Community Center here in Buffalo. But I want to get from, you know, the federal perspective, from what's being talked about in Washington and politically Why is there the need for resources? Why is there the need for an organized effort? And we keep hearing about migrants being bused from one community to another or, you know, taking a plane from down in El Paso over to New York City or something like that. uh, Instead of just kind of, you know, coming to the country, being granted asylum and finding your way.
3: Yeah, you, you would think that the federal government would would be at the vanguard of, of this issue. And, and theoretically, the federal government should be at the vanguard of this issue. But immigration reform and immigration in general has been one of the thorniest issues here in Washington, D.C., also for decades. And Republicans and Democrats have not been able for decades to reach any sort of comprehensive agreement on a path forward to make this whole entire process Pain. I mean, the fact of the matter is, there are countries all over the world that are in absolutely terrible shape. People are. They're destitute. They have been uh, forced to leave their homes. I mean, think of the worst thing that could happen to you in your home, and it's happening to millions of people all around the country. So some of the people who are crossing over the border are very much in those situations. I mean, certainly there are others who are not and who are coming to the United States or want to for more devious reasons, uh, whether that's smuggling or drugs or you, you name it. But The fact of the matter is there are still just an incredible number of people who are in very, very, very dire straits. So as a result, everyone is still coming over to the border. They have to be processed. Their cases have to to be understood by U.S. officials. And when it is in a situation which is overwhelming for government officials, you can see how the system very quickly breaks down. And it's very difficult to figure out who is who and uh, whether people should be granted asylum or not.
1: Governor Hochul is asking for federal help in allowing asylum seekers to work while they're here. What are the rules currently?
3: Well, the rules uh, oftentimes are different. I mean, we we could spend probably an hour talking about uh, all the different pathways when somebody shows up at the border, what happens, and the questions that they're asked, where they go, where they're held, uh, whether they're held or not. Uh, It's almost like a And I don't say this in a glib way, like a choose-your-own-adventure novel where there's any of about 100 different results that might happen depending on somebody's uh, individual situation and the determinations that are oftentimes being made, not by folks in Washington or state-level officials, but by the people on the ground uh, at the border crossings or where somebody uh, has been found to be in the United States and and not in the United States, at least initially, uh, legally. So as a result uh, it is very difficult uh, to to make those calls not just one or two or 10 or 20 times a day but hundreds or thousands of times sometimes uh, on an individual day or week so the federal government uh, first of all has not provided adequate resources uh, to the border i think that's uh, just an objective fact by Anyone, regardless of your per- political persuasions. And if the federal government wants to send more resources to the border t- and also to, to communities across the country, including New York City, that have uh, been, been dealing with uh, oftentimes uh, just uh, incredible historic numbers of migrants who are coming into the city, then the federal government has that power. But that's going to require Democrats and Republicans to get together and actually hammer out something that is going to be effective. And work. And hey, you know, you may have noticed we got some other things going on in Washington that are not very great right now, including the whole debt ceiling debate uh, and having to figure out and, and square that circle, uh, which is, you know, not going real well at this point, too.
2: You know, Dave, that's funny you say that because I was going to ask is it reassuring at all what we saw yesterday with the House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, the president? Sitting next to each other, the president saying that, you know, hey, we're both kind of in lockstep here. That ceiling, you know, breaking that, going over the cliff can't be something that happens. So we we got to figure something out.
3: Well, I mean, it, it's good. At least they're talking. But it's also May 23rd and we've got a deadline set by the U.S. Treasury of of June 1st. That's a week away. And, you know, even if uh, the federal government is able on the debt ceiling issue to uh, to make it by that deadline, I mean, the markets are going to operate like the markets want to operate. And if people in the United States or across the world lose faith and confidence in the United States' ability to pay its own debts that are already on the books, uh, you know, that that's going to have an effect on the economy uh, in and of itself. So we're really getting down to the kind of zero hour right here to, uh, to figure this out and, and see on the debt ceiling issue if that's going to work. So as it applies to immigration, well, you know, there's no hard and fast deadline. But in the minds of many people across the country, the deadline has already come. The deadline has already passed. And we are in a crisis mode right now.
1: And Dave, there's a new entry in the run for the White House. What does Tim Scott bring to the race?
3: Well, I, I mean, he's sort of in, in a way like the uh, conservative version of hope and change in the sense that he's saying, hey, look, I'm going to run a positive campaign. I'm a conservative. I am I am somebody who is uh, who's going to be as conservative as anyone in the race, but I'm going to do it with a very different style. He's going to focus a lot on his personal story. I mean, he was born in poverty and has his, his built up a career where he's, he's uh, effectively gotten uh, to just one step short of the the pinnacle of power in the United States, uh, him being a, a senior U.S. senator. So he's somebody who is right now not anywhere in the polls. But if your name isn't Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, you kind of aren't anywhere in the polls either. But Tim Scott is definitely banking on uh, that changing over the next many months that Ron DeSantis, uh, who is also expected to enter the race, Florida governor, later this week uh, that he'll flame out and that Donald Trump, well, his legal troubles and everything else will battle him too. And he's probably not going to be the only one who jumps into the race uh, over the next couple of weeks either. That's
0: the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available
2: each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.